All right, we'll be in Mark chapter 5 today, Mark chapter 5. So we continue on this thought of love thy neighbor. Uh, back in November at our family extravaganza, Brother uh, Matt was here to preach for us that Sunday, and he preached out of this passage on the uh, maniac of Gadara. And uh, so we're not going to look at so much that portion of the story as much as the aftermath of the story here today. I want us to look at this thought that God is calling you to a mission field. Uh, oftentimes when we hear the phrase, call to the mission field, our first thought, at least mine, is Africa, the jungle. Um, and the older I get, the more my thought of the mission field broadens. Uh, but I know growing up in church, anytime you hear mission field, the, the first thought, pictures that came to mind were uh, uh, someone in the jungle somewhere uh, kind of a thing. And I think we understand that, that missions work is, is, that include, is included in mission work. There is so much more on top of that. And really, um, our time in Lexington has, has opened my eyes to the great needs of cities and uh, well-populated areas just as much as... So we think of, well, the, the Bible... Is it getting to the jungles? Is it getting to the the tiny towns across America? Is, is there good churches in different places? And I've always responded, or I say always, especially in the last six years, when someone says, "What what place needs a church?" I say, "I think you can probably start a church anywhere, and it be useful." Uh, I don't know that there's anywhere in the world that you can say, "No, that place doesn't need another church." Now you could maybe make an argument for why some places need it more than other places. Um, but you know, when us coming to Lexington, people, I, I heard that reaction. Well, why are you going to Lexington? Why don't you go out to out west where they need churches? <laughs> it's like, well, um, here's some numbers for you. And I think there's a great need in Lexington just as there is in the cities that you think there, there's a need as well. Um, but my burden for cities has grown so much more in the last six years than before because I was kind of the same way. Uh, thinking, well, you know, suburbs are small towns or out west or different places, different places across the world. Um, but the cities need Jesus just as much as, as everywhere else does as well. Um, but with that being said, all of that has nothing to do with this. Uh, but God is calling you to a mission field. There is a place that God is calling you to. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you will by the end of the sermon uh, today, Lord willing. Let's look in Mark chapter 5. Let's read starting in verse 13. So uh, again, to set the uh, to set the context here, uh, the Lord came. There was a maniac running around in the tombs. He was demon-possessed. God called the demons out, and uh, they went into a herd of swine. The swine ran off into the water and drowned. And that's where we pick up in verse number, uh, well, 13 mentions that. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. That's the demons in the swine. And the uncertain spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Verse 14 says, And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and to see him uh, that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, 
he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. We're going to look at three thoughts this morning out of this passage, out of the aftermath of uh, Jesus casting the devil out of this man and the change that was made in him. And uh, we'll close the sermon today by looking at the mission field that God has called us to. Lord, I pray for your help uh, as we look into your word. We've looked at this, this story um, in this instance uh, not too long ago, back in November. But Lord, today I pray that you'd give us some fresh thoughts. Uh, Lord, re re revive our hearts. Um, Lord, give us a burden. And uh, Lord, encourage us where encouragement is due. And Lord, I pray that you would help us again to learn and draw closer to you because of your word this morning. Help me to present this clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we see here in Mark chapter 5, again, this story. And, uh, and so three things that I've uh, taken out of the aftermath of the uh, healing or the uh, cleansing of this man who had the demon uh, in him. I see, first of all, number one, God brings change. God brings change. Um, when we think about God and all that God does for us, one of the most uh, amazing things that God does for us it comes at salvation and comes with the change that He gives us in our heart, uh, with our priorities, with the way that we live. It changes, takes desires out and puts new desires in. And when we experience Christ, and I use that term um, maybe more than I should, but when we, uh, when we uh, are saved, there is a change that comes over us, and that change only comes by God. Nothing else in life can change us this way. There are people who need change in their life that, that don't ever... Uh, get saved and they experience some sort of change, right? So you have an, uh, someone who is addicted. They can go through um, different uh, counseling and different things that can experience change. Sometimes they have uh, life events that experience change. Sometimes someone who is living a life that is dangerous and, and leading towards death, they have a child and all of a sudden they, their eyes are open to, well, I need to live smarter for my child. Sometimes it's immaturity that eventually we just grow up from uh, because we realize it's time for me to grow up, uh, different things like that. So change can come in different ways, but the kind of change that God gives, we cannot get anywhere else. You don't go from being um, wicked and having wicked desires to being clean and having clean desires without the help of God. We can go from doing bad things to doing less bad things, yes, uh, but the true change that God makes is unique. And we see that here in verses 14 and 15. With this man, uh, they, the, the people who were in charge of the swine, they took off running when this happened. They saw their herd of 2,000 pigs go running into the water and dying, filled with demons. And they took off and they ran into town and they told people what they had seen. When they come back in verse 15, they come to Jesus and they see the man that was possessed with the devil and had the legion. He was sitting, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They came back to this, and we talked about this in November when Brother Matt preached from this passage. But a man who was running around naked, um, crazy, uh, a lunatic, uh, uh, filled with demon, uh, and, and just insane, for no lack of a better term. 
And when they came back from seeing what happened with the pigs, they found this man clothed and more importantly in his right mind. A man who they knew, the whole town knew he was a maniac. They had tied him before, they had chained him before, and he had broken those chains, and he had broken those ties. He was uh, um, uncontrollable. Maybe he had ADHD, I don't know. Uh, he had different issues going on in his life. I shouldn't make light of ADHD, I apologize. But we see that this man, he was uncontrollable. There was nothing that could be done. No one could contain him. No one could uh, um, uh, control him. And, and at the end of the passage, and we'll look at this in a moment, but I think at this point in his life, he was even all by himself. His family and friends uh, had nothing to do with him. He was, he was by himself. He was alone. And he was crazy. Yet, when they came back after this instance with Christ, they find him clothed and in his right mind and just sitting. It brought fear among the people. They weren't sure exactly what was going on, what was happening. Uh, there, there was a, a terror that went across uh, in people's minds. But, but think about this change that, that Christ makes. Change is a sign of Christ in you. It's a result of Christ in you. Um, it's not that we change and because we've changed we've been saved. It's because we've been saved that we change. And sometimes we spend too much time focusing on change as opposed to salvation. We say, you need to change this, you need to change that, you need to change this, you need to change that. Instead of saying, you need God. And if you get God, change will come and we can train and we can teach and we can disciple and those kinds of things. But change comes as a result of God. Um, I believe a Christian can be backslidden. I'm going to get off on a rabbit trail here, but hang with me for a second. I believe a Christian can be backslidden. I believe that a Christian can be saved. And that's why they're a Christian. can be saved. And then at a point in their life where they begin to sin and they fall into sin and they, they stay in sin for a while. I don't believe that just because a Christian is, is consistently sinning that they're not saved. I know people that, that think that and it just doesn't line up with the Bible. Uh, but uh, ultimately, God tells us that with salvation comes change. And if someone claims to get saved, it is not my job to, to challenge someone's salvation. But if someone claims to get saved and there is never any moment of change in their life, it's fair for me to, to wonder if they actually got saved or if they just said they did to, to get me off their back or to get other people off their back. And we pray and we continue to present the gospel and we allow God to work in hearts. If they're not saved, we allow God to do the changing and, and to convict and to, to, to get them where they need to be. That being said, the result of salvation is the change in our lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. At salvation, we, we are given the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between uh, having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. That's a whole other sermon. But, uh, but we all have the Holy Spirit within us when we're saved. That helps us then and, and, and guides us. It helps us to understand the Bible more clearly. It helps us to understand the ways of God and to direct us. It's, it's not Jiminy Cricket. It's not a conscience. You have a conscience before you're saved. Uh, but you have the Holy Spirit to help you and guide you now because you are saved. And that is given to us as salvation. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We'll see another example. We will be back in Mark 5, so if you need to mark it, you can. But Galatians chapter 5. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Look in verse 16. <coughs> 
Galatians 5 and verse 16, it says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust of the flesh uh, against the Spirit, excuse me, for the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. These are the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, uh, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, um, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Uh, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So we see here two, the, the two sides of the coin, right? The spirit of the flesh, or the works of the flesh, which is a long list of things that are given to us. And at the end of that list, it says in verse 21, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now understand this. I think we do, but I'll say it just to make sure that we do. It doesn't mean if someone commits one of these sins, they cannot be saved. It's not what it's saying. All right? But this is those that live by the flesh. Those that are living by the flesh are not living by the Spirit, and those that are living by the flesh do so because the flesh in which they inherit at birth. It's human nature. But when we're saved, we are given then the Spirit. We are given the new creature, and the result of that should be the, uh, uh, what we see here as the fruit of the Spirit. The result of the Spirit are these things, love, joy, peace, goodness, faith, meekness, uh, gentleness, temperance. Uh, those things are a result of the Spirit within us. If our life is not showing the fruit of the Spirit, we need to ask God for help. It's not to say that we aren't saved, okay? I'm not trying to get people to doubt their salvation today. But God says there is a result of the Spirit. There is fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit within you, this should be a result of it. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If the Spirit is within us, then why are we not showing that forth? Because with God comes change. And my life should go from the things of adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, emulations, variance, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and of such like. That should be out of my life now. I should not be showing forth those things. That is the fruit of the flesh. That is a result of the flesh. I should now, because of the change in my life, should be showing forth the fruits of the Spirit. We talk about loving our neighbors. If we're not loving our neighbors, one of the fruit of the Spirit is love. If we're not showing forth the love, we are failing. And we need to ask God to help us with that so that we can have that fruit uh, show forth in our lives. Goodness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. I think sometimes if we're patriotic, I want to be careful about how I word this. I think sometimes in being patriotic, we are hateful towards other people. We are the best country. I believe that. 
we are the best country to live in. We are the best country with the best military. We have the best whatever. And in doing so, sometimes we are naturally hating our enemies. And that is natural to do. But God says, peace is a fruit of the Spirit. We shouldn't desire wars. But sometimes our patriotism kicks in and goes, we should just drop a bomb on them. I think of Jonah, I think Jonah was kind of the same mentality, isn't he? God, just drop a bomb on Nineveh. And God says, there are thousands of innocent lives in Nineveh. But you haven't even thought about them, have you, Jonah? You see, we have to be aware of what God says. This is, this is the fruit that you should be bearing. Love, joy, peace. And so on and so forth. This is the fruit that you need to be doing, and that's a result of the change that God has made in your life at salvation. And we have to be aware of these things so that we can live these things, so that we can ask God to help us with these things. If I'm lacking love, I say, God, I need more love. If I'm lacking joy, God, I need to exhibit more joy. If I'm lacking peace, God, help me to exhibit more peace. If I'm lacking goodness, if I'm lacking meekness, if I'm lacking uh, long-suffering, some patience, if I'm lacking faith, whatever it is, God, this is what I'm supposed to be putting forth. This is the fruit that I'm supposed to be showing. God, help me to do so. You're the only one that can change these things within me. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6. God brings change. Ultimately, that starts at salvation. But look in Luke chapter 6, towards the end of the chapter, verse 43. For a good tree bringeth uh, not forth corrupt fruit, neither doth a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of the thorns men do not gather figs, nor of the bran uh, bramble bush gather they grapes. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. God says it, it, there should be good coming out of good. Good doesn't produce evil. And so we see the change that God makes in us because before salvation we are evil. And we bring forth evil. We bring forth fleshly desires. And we bring forth uh, selfishness and pride and and arrogance and hate and all those sorts of things come out of us uh, because we are evil uh, until God makes us righteous. We're going to sin, we know that. But again, it's not an excuse. Well, I'm human. I make mistakes. Big deal. It is a big deal. And God says, out of, out of the good tree is supposed to come forth good fruit. And if you're not bringing forth good fruit, but bringing forth evil fruit, guess what? You're an evil tree. Because a good tree can't bring forth evil fruit. Now again, I'm not saying that when you, when you sin, that means you've lost your salvation. Please understand, that's not what I'm saying. The Bible makes very clear to us that once we are saved, we will not lose that salvation. God holds us. He secures us. I'm not saying that when you sin, that that automatically means, well, there goes, I'm not showing good, good fruit, so that means I'm evil, and that means I'm not saved. It's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this is that at salvation and moving forward, you're no longer the evil tree, you're the good tree. And you ought to be bringing forth good fruit. And if you're not, you need to go to God, you need to confess your sins, you need to let Him forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. 
and then start producing good fruit. And you can only do that with God's help. God brings the change. Too many people in life have tried to make the change on their own, and it always falls back. You can't do it on your own. Only God can bring the change. We'll talk about that more in a moment. We experience this change through salvation. Let's go on. Number two. Number one, God brings the change. Number two, uh, God's change brings opportunity. When God changes you, that brings an opportunity. Look at verse 14. Uh, back in Mark 5, sorry. Back in Mark 5, look in verse 14. Um, and they that fed the swine fled and told it to the city. This is opportunity. It's, it's getting ready to come. The swine were there just minding their own business, right? The people taking care of the swine were there minding their own business. All of a sudden, uh, and God gives permission for the demons to go into the swine. He ta- takes them out of the man. They go into the swine. The swine go running down a steep hill and choke in the sea. They're, they're gone. <laughs> so the uh, farmers or whatever they were, the people keeping the swine, they took off to the city and they told it to everybody. We were there watching the bacon. And next thing you know, they all run into the ocean and now they're dead. Were they angry? Probably a little bit. Were they shocked? Definitely. And the first thing they thought of is, we got to go tell everybody. Opportunity's coming. Look in verse uh, 16. And when they saw it, told them, uh, and when they saw it, told them how it befell to him that he was possessed of the devil, and also concerning the swine, uh, they began to, to pray to him or ask him to depart out of their coast. And so they, they, they go... Uh, the, the farmers go and tell the city. The city comes out and it's told to them exactly what happened. So the one guy's, you know, the farmers are out there screaming and yelling, uh, you know, in, in chaos. This is just my assumption of it. Uh, blabbering really fast uh, in panic mode. Something happened up here in the tombs. So everybody comes out to the tombs and there it is explained more calmly of what happened. And he was of a demon possessed and Christ came. And he cast the, the demon out of the man, and they went into the swine, and the swine went and died. Well, then that happened, everybody is saying, well, can you leave? <laughs> is it okay if you go ahead and go on your way now? Again, it shows that fear that they had. But the opportunity, again, is here. Why? Because now there's a crowd that has gathered as a result of the change that God made. Uh, verse number... 20. And he departed, this is the man who the demon was cast out of, and began to publish in Decapolis uh, how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. There's where the opportunity is seized. So it starts by a change that's made by God, and then it goes to a city being told something crazy just happened, and now there's a crowd gathered, and now the opportunity has arisen because of the change that God made an opportunity has arisen for the gospel to be shared. And we read in Acts 2 with the uh, beginning of Pentecost, the disciples are preaching and, and they're speaking, and everybody, no matter what language they spoke, could understand what the disciples were saying and what they were preaching. It says in Acts 2 verse 12 that they were all amazed. Because there's a guy standing in the town square, 
and he knows that the guy next to him is from a different country and doesn't speak his language, and yet that person is listening just intently as he is listening, and he realizes that guy can understand that guy, and he's not speaking his language. How is that working? They stood there, and they were amazed. Now, there were others who were kind of problem problem makers, and, and they began to say, oh, they're drunk. We talked about that a little bit on Wednesday night. They're drunk, and then Peter boldly stood and continued to preach. But when God makes a change, opportunity arises, and you see the crowds begin uh, to form. Uh, in this case, it was an immediate and drastic change, and it got people talking. It got people asking questions. What happened? How did this happen? And there's where the opportunity is. And I think sometimes we read these things and we think to ourselves, well, you know, I was saved a long time ago and the people that I work with don't, didn't know me back then. They didn't see the change in my life. But yet I think there are still things that we can make changes in today that God could help us with that would provide opportunity for us to share the gospel. I think of coworkers and different things where if they begin to, to do their normal conversation and you say, hey, I'd really appreciate it if, if you wouldn't talk about that around me anymore. Where in the past we would just kind of let them do their thing and talk about it and, and, and just kind of let it roll off our backs. Maybe we'd get involved in it or whatever, but, but a lot of times we say, because at work, um, I'm not pastor at work, right? So I don't expect those people um, to treat me like a pastor, and, uh, and there's times where they say things and, you know, and it's, oh, there's a pastor in the room and all that kind of stuff. And I appreciate their awareness of it. But nonetheless, um, you know, my boss has told me, hey, we're going to go to this place and these guys are probably going to drink and those kinds of things. And, and I, I told them, I, I understand that. I'm, I'm aware that the restaurant serves alcohol and I'm aware that you allow them to. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't hold everybody to the expectation I hold for myself, but I'm still not going to do it. And, uh, and I don't have any problem with telling people that they're not smart for doing it. Um, but nonetheless, uh, there's opportunities that are given to us. And sometimes at work where we allow things to be said around us and we just kind of pretend like we don't hear it. Maybe if we changed our, our, um, our way of handling it to a, hey guys, if you don't mind, just when I'm around, if you wouldn't mind talking about that kind of stuff. And they're probably going to joke around for a little while and things like that. But before long, they're going to realize a change that's being made in your life. Uh, an effort that you're doing to make sure that the things that you hear, that you have control of, the things that you hear are things that help you do right and not things that, that bring you the other direction. And then before long, someone's going to ask you, hey, why did you stop? Why aren't you sitting with us at lunch anymore during break? Well, you know, you guys just keep talking about this stuff and... You keep bringing this kind of stuff up, but it's just not something that I really want to hear anymore. I'm, uh, you know, I'm taking the time instead to, to read, read my Bible. If you are, if you're not, then don't lie about it. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm taking the time instead to take some time just to pray and, 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 and talk with God. And I'm taking the time or whatever. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, to limit the influences that, uh, in my life, the things that I'm hearing. I want things that are, that to hear that are, that are good and right. It gives opportunity. Change gives opportunity. Because the moment you change, people start asking why. If you haven't noticed, everybody in our country and in our world wants to know everything about you. I just saw something the other day. Someone said, I remember when people used to have diaries and didn't want anybody to read them. And now everybody puts their diary online for everybody to see. Uh, you know, everybody wants to know your business. So if you make a change, 
people are going to start asking questions. Change brings opportunity. Well, like I said, why aren't you why aren't you sitting with us at break anymore? And I'm not saying you need to shun shun your coworkers because they tell bad jokes or because they do whatever, but there can be changes made that will help you in your life be more of what God wants you to be, as well as create opportunity for you to share Christ with other people. Change always brings opportunity, and that change comes from God. So God brings change. God's change brings opportunity. And then lastly, and the main point of the message today is this, God gives a command. He's called you to a mission field. Look in verse number um, 18. Christ is getting ready to leave. And the man comes, this is how, be, uh, verse 18, and when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed of the, with the devil prayed him, asked him that he might be with him. Can I come with you? That's a reasonable request. Many people have made that request with Christ. They've been healed. Can I come with you? The disciples uh, are the same way as well. Those that were following John, Christ, can we follow you now? John even told them, go follow Christ. Uh, but this man now asks, can I come with you? Verse number 19, how be it Jesus suffered him not? But saith unto him, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion on thee. There is a great need all throughout the world for the gospel. There's no denying it. There's not a place in the world you can go that the gospel is not needed. There are some places that don't have a Bible in their language and they need one. There are some places that don't have a church where they can go and, and meet up with other Christians and, and pray and worship and, and learn together about Jesus. They need a church. There are cities in America that have a church on nearly every corner. And they're needed. At the end of the day, I think we can learn from this and be reminded of this uh, here that we cannot forget about the need right in front of us. We talked about this last week when we talked about the harvest is ready. Don't say in three months, but look up. The harvest is white. It's ready for harvest. Here this man came and he said, Jesus, you, know, you did great things for me. You've changed my life. You've cleansed me. Can I come with you? Christ said, no. He said, I need you to stay here. Go tell your family, go tell your friends, go tell your neighbors, go home. We spend a lot of time focused on going. The Great Commission says, go ye. Go ye therefore into all the world. Preach to every creature. Teach them, baptize them. Go ye. And when we focus on missions, that go ye oftentimes is emphasized for around the world. I had a guy in college, a, a teacher in college. He was a retired missionary, or he was no longer on the field, but he was, he was in Africa for many years. And he told everybody, everybody here needs to go to Africa. He was burdened for the people. He had seen the need firsthand. He had been involved in it firsthand. And, uh, and he told us as a student body, every, every single one of you, needs to commit to go to Africa. Um, Mark Tolson came this summer and told us about China. And now there's one less missionary family in China. There's a need in China. We could pack up and go. Suriname has very little godly Christian influence. 
And we could all pack up and go with the Kellys and be used of God there in Suriname. Slovenia, the, the percentage is so incredibly low, I always have to take a double take to see exactly how low the percentage is of gospel preaching churches in the country of Slovenia. We could go and we could help the Grasties. We could take a, any, any place on the map. You could spin the globe and touch your finger there and say, we could go there and we could make a difference and we'd be fulfilling the great commission of go ye. But we cannot forget that God also says go home. There are family and there are friends that need Jesus. Go tell them the great things that God has done. This man there, I've read different thoughts on him. Some say he was afraid that if, that if he didn't go with Christ, then he would just get possessed again. Um, there's all kinds of different thoughts and philosophies about why he wanted to go with Jesus. I think it's pretty simple. I think God changed his life and, and he said, I want to go with you. But Christ told him, no, go home to thy friends. Tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And verse 20 says, He departed and began to publish in his hometown how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. We have to make a concerted effort to go home and tell our friends. It's a decision that we have to make and commit to. If God calls you to go to the mission field, then by all means surrender and go. But I promise you God has called you here. Right now. You are where you are, and until God tells you to go somewhere else, go home and tell your friends. Go home and tell your family. Go home and tell your neighbors. Go home and tell your co-workers. The harvest is ready. <clears throat> there's a song, a hymn. It says, In the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the Master's voice is calling to the harvest, calling you. The second verse of the song says, Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? You say, well, I'm in you know, Lexington, Georgetown, Richmond, the area around here, it's not tiny and it's not maybe little known, but compared to Africa and China and things like that, it seems small. The, the, the song goes on to say, it is great if God is in it and he'll not forget his own little as much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. It, it doesn't matter if you look at the grand scheme of things and say, well, God says to go reach the entire world, if all I reach a handful of people in Lexington, what have I done? I'll tell you what you've done. You've done what God's told you to do. We cannot forget that every single person is important. And any person that we can share the gospel with and that God changes their life is one more person. You may know uh, if you've studied it out. Think of the most famous Christian you can think of. The person who's made the biggest impact in the world that you can think of. And ask yourself, who shared the gospel with them? Think of the greatest churches in all of history. And the pastors who pastored them. Who shared the gospel with them? 
the people we impact with the gospel, the people we plant the seed with with the gospel, and the people in whom God changes their lives for eternity, they go on and impact other people. And those people go on and impact other people, and the seed continues to get spread further and further and further. And maybe you'll only see one, or three, or five, or ten people saved with who you share the gospel with. But then those people go out and they share the gospel and they may see one or five or ten people saved. And they spread the gospel and God continues to reach people and it just spreads like wildfire. The question is, is the seed still being planted or is it stopped with you? Somebody shared the gospel with you. God changed your life. Go home and spread the gospel with other people. I love the fact that the greatest change uh, that these people probably saw in one person's life happened right here. This man was a maniac. He was out of control. And the next thing you know, there he is, clothed and sitting in his right mind. And very quickly after that, now he's going home and he's telling his friends, this is what God did for me. That's where it starts. What has God done for you? Now go home and tell your friends. God's called you to a mission field. It's right in front of you. Maybe God's working in your heart and He's calling you to a different mission field. And if that's the case, then by all means, we'll do everything we can to help. But right now, you're here. Right now, we are here. Love your neighbor. Go share the gospel with them. And watch God continue to change people. And as change happens, opportunity comes. Take the opportunities that are given and just keep going back home. Tell more people. Lord, help us. Help us to be burdened. Help us to see the need. Help us to understand that the harvest is right in front of us and that it's ready, uh, ready for us to come in and do our part. Lord, help us to not be blinded or apathetic to the need that is right in front of us. And God, I pray that you would help us as we are um, love better our neighbors. Lord, that you would help us to be bold in sharing the gospel with them. And Lord, as you change lives, help us to seek opportunities to continue to plant the seed of the gospel all around us. Lord, help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Help us with our co-workers, those who, who know us and have seen our faults and our failures with our family member who knows us better than anybody and has seen our faults and our failures. God, help us to still be bold with the gospel. Lord, we are not perfect, but you are. Lord, we cannot save, but you can. God, may we fulfill our commission that's given to us to go there for and to share the gospel with every single person that we can. And Lord, we pray that we would see fruit from it. Lord, I pray for those who we've talked to this week. We've invited them to church, some we've shared the gospel with. And God, I, I know that it's when we take an, uh, an interest, when we take and give effort with these people that we love, it gets harder for us because when they don't uh, respond, when they don't come to church or they don't respond to the gospel, it weighs on us because we've put in the time and the effort. God, help us to be faithful. Help us to be consistent. Help us to be bold. And Lord, most importantly, help us to depend on you and not ourselves. 
as we reach out with those that we do love and care about, friends and family and co-workers. And God, we'll give you all the praise, all the glory for the result of it. But Lord, we need your help. So help us to rest in you today. And Lord, uh, help us to see your working in the lives of those around us. Work through us. Use our church. Lord, continue to help us to spread the gospel worldwide through our missions giving. Lord, help us to have our hearts open to what you're telling us. May we receive it and obey it each and every day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for inviting people. Thank you for sharing the gospel with people. Uh, keep doing it. Keep it up. Um, you know, we've been here six years now, and <laughs> there have been thousands of people. I would say, uh, there have been not thousands of people, there have been a lot of people who have told us, oh, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> but those people were strangers. Um, as we're talking with people close by us, like I said, it, it, it gets burdensome. It starts to get heavy. You go, man, I've, I've talked to this person. They said they were going to come. Why didn't they come? Share the gospel with this person, and they, they, they felt like they were this close. And then they still walked away. Stick with it. Stick with it. God will reward you for it. Lord bless you. Let's